fight We overcoming adversity Doing it at all costs Making wins are all lost Yeah, the world is all lost All lost, yeah Ain't no turning back We headed straight for the stars Yeah, oh yeah We overcoming adversity Doing it at all costs Making wins are all lost Yeah, the world is all lost All lost, yeah Ain't no turning back We headed straight for the stars Yeah, oh yeah Welcome to the Overcoming Adversity Podcast, where it's all about transformational growth and having a resilient mindset. Before we get started, make sure you like and subscribe to the channel. I'm your host, Michael Allison, your trusted adversity strategist. Today we have on the show a successful child care provider, business coach, consultant, author, and she's a grand founder. She's been raised by her father, her grandparents. She also jokes around and says her neighbors, her aunts, and she's from New York City. But... She did drop out of high school and ran away from home a lot and also ended up in alternative school. Let's welcome to my show, my good friend, Miss Crystal Carnell. Thank you. Hi, how are you? <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Crystal, for being here. Um, you know, we were speaking before the show started and I was just speaking of um, how resilient you were for someone that uh, went through the type of childhood that you went through and then decided to, um, I'm going to give back to the kids and back to the community. So if you would, um, can you tell us, like, how did you get even get into this business that you're in? And how did your story, how did your journey get started? Um, so my grandmother, she was the neighborhood grandma. She loved children. Everybody considered her, you know, the, the grandma of the neighborhood. She just, the mom. She um, started her own just not even just a daycare because at that time it was like no licensing she would just feed the neighborhood invite the people over for parties um, my dad's friends my, my aunt's friends um and then summer uh, my teenage summer uh i worked for pal which is police athletic league mm -hmm. uh, they sponsor a summer youth program and they were really um helpful to a lot of the youth in the community and i love that um, from there, I started to work in daycares around New York City. I worked in Manhattan. I worked in Queens. I loved everything that the teachers were doing with the kids. I was like, oh, I can do this. Um, there were things that I didn't like. There were a lot of things that I did like. And so I started to, um, if you hear a baby crying, my staff is with a baby. <laughs> she gets cranky during that time. So they try to soothe them. Um, so... A lot of times uh, I would see things in the childcare facilities that I didn't agree with. And I said, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to work somewhere where it's not aligning with my morals and my goals. Um, and so I decided that I wanted to open my own. And I didn't know it was a licensing process. I thought I could just start babysitting at the time when I did decide to do that, I actually ended up um, leaving New York. Uh, I went to Virginia. I had my GED and everything at that time. This was after that. I went back to Virginia and um, because I really just didn't think I could do it. I had no uh, confidence in myself. I had no confidence in the process. I didn't know anybody who had a business. Uh, so I went back to Virginia. I stayed there for a couple more years and then I came back um, 
and my house caught fire. My house caught fire, I want to say in 2010. And uh, we, and luckily my grandfather and my grandma, they paid off the house and they always kept up with the insurance. And um, we ended up going into a hotel temporarily. And then uh, we lived in a temporary house that the insurance paid for. Um, very traumatizing uh, experience. We all were. I ended up having um, staring seizures after that and a lot of uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, and so I had to stop working. Um, they paid me a leave for about a year, which I was so happy because I thought it was going to be cut off. I was only supposed to have it for three months at the job that I was at. And right. they gave it to me for a year. Um, I was on medication that made me anxious, um, made me depressed. And then uh, my grandmother had another stroke. And I remember she really couldn't speak very well. And so I remember her saying to me um, the best way she could that, you know, you're going to have to, you know, get out of this. You're going to have to push through this. Um, I guess knowing that, you know, she was getting her, her condition was getting worse and I would be the oldest woman, you know, after her in the household. Um, so at that time we were still staying in the temporary house and uh, she got, you know, her, her uh, illness got worse and she did pass away. And then um, I became the oldest. So I had to kind of be a role model, jump into that role. Uh, my cousins lived with us. Um, my sister, had a, have a younger sister and an older brother. And so I had to be that role model uh, that I wasn't even ready for because I didn't have my mom. So I didn't know really, you know, what examples I was supposed to set. So I did the best that I could. Uh, so... Uh, that's just a little bit about that time. After that, once we moved into the new house, I started the daycare here. Um, it was a long licensing process because I start, I went back to work. I was working two jobs. I, my sister was helping me here. Um, I had no knowledge of how to be a administrator. I was always used to being an employee. So it was definitely a transition. Um, but once I stopped working, I had more time to work um, in the business and ended up working out. I've been doing it for the last seven years. Nice. I think it's it's always interesting how like life will throw things at us even when we don't think we're prepared for it. Um, life will just come at us uh, at different angles in different ways. But truth be told, you've, you've already like ran um, or been in the experience of, our, of a daycare. So like you had the experience or the wherewithal to do it. You just just not put into that position. Right. So I think it was um it was already like laid out for you to, to do that. Also, you know, um, sorry for the passing of your grandma. Thanks. You know, and uh, I was listening to you talk about that, but it seemed like it forced you to put you into a position of leadership. Now you had to like deal with those dynamics and being in another leadership role. Mm -hmm. So. It kind of was teaching you something at the same time while I was going through those situations. It seemed like. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't realize it at the time. You know, in my mind, I'm like, God, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> you know, because, like I said, I'm I'm growing up without my mom, and now I'm losing another mom. You right. know, so it's kind of like, why are you taking my mothers away? <laughs> <laughs> I need them. Who am I gonna talk to? 
you know, I could always talk to my dad. He's he's the best. Like he's like a best friend and a father, and he's really good at separating the two. Mm-hmm. Um, he's great even now. Like he spoils us all, all of us. Um, so he's really great. Um, but it's just it's nothing like having your mom. Okay, so let's 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 hop into that. Let's talk about like your upbringing a little bit. So tell me about like your mom, your dad, um, your siblings. What was that like for you growing up in New York? Um, well, everybody thinks the New York is just the glamour, the glitz, but it's really a hustle. Um, it's expensive to live here, um, so it's it's a, a constant hustle. And if you don't have that in you, you can find yourself um, mentally drained trying to keep up. Um, but my dad and my mom separated when I was younger. He, she stayed, you know, in the street life and he decided that he was not going to do that or have that for his children. And so he brought us to my grandmother's and they both raised us. Uh, she would come around, um, every now and then. And, you know, when I was younger, I would, you know, wait for her and, uh, sometimes meet her at her programs as I came into my teenage years. Um, after about, I would say, uh, four years after her not showing up, uh, my brother and my sister and I, we just ended up, you know, stopped, we stopped looking really because we were getting into our own lives. My brother had children, my sister had children, and we were like, you know, we can't keep stressing ourselves trying to find her and we can't, we were stressing ourselves so much we couldn't even focus on our lives. It was such a mental strain on us. So we stopped looking um, at that time. Uh, I think we stopped looking for maybe two years. And then uh, my brother ended up getting in contact with my other sisters because I have uh, half sisters on my mom's side. And they ended up finding her. And so we got reconnected with her. We all used to go and see her in the summertime. She was living in a nice uh, area at that time in Brooklyn. And um, we lost contact again. And um, it was really hard on us uh, because during the time where we did lose contact, we had a house fire. We needed her then, you know, more than anything, even if she couldn't provide. And I think at the time, I really didn't understand, you know, being a mom and and just going through the mental things that she was going through. She probably just didn't know how to handle her children or talk to us or seeing us grown. I just never knew what was going on in her head. And at the time, I, I think, I guess I blamed her, but now I kind of understand. Uh, working with a lot of parents that I work with, single moms, uh, I see everything that they go through. And so um, I wish I would have given her more grace in that time. Yeah, I was going to ask you, at a young age, did you guys develop any type of like resentment mm-hmm. knowing that uh, mom was not there and you was living with your grandma and um, your dad and things like that? Yeah, yeah. It made it really hard for me um, to um, trust women. And it's, it's weird to say because I'm a woman. So imagine how much I trusted myself. And I, that, that built up a lot of doubt in me, a lot of doubt with my friendships. Um, I looked to friends for a lot of things that I should have gotten from my mom. Um, good things that I learned a lot of good things and a lot of bad things. That's why I think I never had children because a a few of my friends, um, they had children young and I saw the things that they went through and I was like, no, I don't want to go through that. And so I never had children. And then the other side was it was, it was more of me not wanting to disappoint my child the way my mom disappointed me. I wanted to be better. 
And so I said, I would not bring a life into this world that I was sure, I wasn't sure that I would be able to care for. And I wasn't choosing the right partners uh, younger either. And I was always conscious of that. And I was like, nope, I'm not having a child in this situation. Um, so uh, as I got older and started working with children and seeing single moms and um, just single parents, not just moms, fathers too, um, seeing what my dad had to go through, I, I, I got a little bit uh, more of an understanding of how hard it is um, to be a parent and what they go through. You guys are really like super. <laughs> I'm like, how the heck do you do this? I, I, I take my hat off to you. It's, it's amazing. You guys are amazing. So let me ask you this question then. Uh, I'll probably fast forward as, as I'm thinking about it. But so like, don't want you didn't want to have kids, but you did open up a daycare. So how mm -hmm. does that correlation work? I love children. <laughs> That's the whole thing. That's <laughs> I started with my brothers, uh, my niece and nephews, um, and my sister's um, baby, my other niece and nephews. I just helped them uh, where I could. And um, as I started getting more children and I started learning their behaviors, I started learning a schedule with them. I just love children. I love children. <laughs> it's just in me. I don't know. I think, like I said, I got it from my grandmother. I really love them. I love learning them. I love seeing them grow, especially now. Um, they're so smart at this age, the things that they say. I think it keeps me young. It's, it's fun for me um to hear the things that they say and um right. just have a conversation with them uh but i really enjoy working with children um i looking back i say you know had i had a child younger maybe i would have uh had a different perspective than i have now but i just yeah. didn't want to go through the hard part of it i didn't want to go through it the way i saw my friends going through it uh, but they all say you would you could be a great mom. <laughs> when you work with the children at the daycare, you'd be a great mom. And I'm just like, it's different when you have to take the child home and you have to be with them. I'm sending them back to their parents. Right, right, it's different right. When you have to be with them 24 seven. Um, so, yeah. So when uh, you guys uh, experienced your house catching on fire, uh, what was that? family atmosphere like an experience like for you guys when you got a lot you just lost all the things that you guys have earned bought collected <laughs> all these things that you guys cherish as a family is now completely gone i know that had to be devastating so what was that like to pick up or just rebuild your whole life back what was that like for you guys it was hard it was hard um i think we all worked to take our mind off of it uh, when 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 I could go back to work, that's what I did. I worked like crazy. I couldn't stop working because I didn't want to think about, you know, that I wasn't home. And even moving back before I started the daycare, it still wasn't home because everything's now remodeled, totally different. Uh, and so it was like, this is not my house. So I had to kind of get in the mindset. It took a while. I think we all... Uh, were traumatized for a few years. Uh, we just worked, all of us, we just worked. I remember my brother having two jobs, my sister having two jobs, you all were just working two jobs, trying to just take our mind off of that. Um, and we used work, we used work to, to get us out of it, that uh, thing. My dad too, he didn't want to go back to work at first because he thought we were going to be so stressed and um, not able to handle just being home without him. And uh, eventually, because he's worked all his life, eventually he just was like, I have to go back to work. <laughs> I have to go. Um, 
So while you were learning the daycare business and working and things like that, you said you went to Virginia. How did you end up in Virginia? I had a best friend that lived there and I used to visit in the summertime. She moved from New York to um, Virginia and I used to visit her all the time and she invited me and then I went for a month and stayed for two years. <laughs> and my dad was like, are you coming back? I said, yeah, I might. <laughs> I didn't come back for two years. Um, when I finally decided um, that I was coming back, I I just, it, one, it's a slower pace out there. And I just missed um, being here. And I had the mindset that I needed to do something better uh, with my life. I didn't want to work for anybody anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I really just wanted to be better. I don't know what, how it happened. It's just a switch in my mind. So I, I guess what I was trying to understand is like, so those are some like major decisions. So what was it that was going on in New York? You said like, I need to go move to um, move to a Virginia or say I'm going to commit to living here in Virginia. Then I guess I want to ask, what was the pivotal point in your life where you said, all right, two years is enough here in Virginia. I'm ready to I'm ready to go back to New York and start a new beginning, start a business, all these things. What were some like key things that like hit you? Like, you know, you was like, yeah, this is the time for me to go. This is the decision I need to make. I think uh, when I got there, like I said, I wasn't supposed to stay. And I saw that my friend actually needed, she had uh, two kids at the time Mm -hmm. and she needed a lot more assistance uh, that I knew about from here. And I really wanted to help her. And so I just stayed and I got a job and I helped her uh, pay bills. Um, and then, you know, like I said, I had a lot of friends that I didn't, discernment is something that I learned over time. And so I am just gonna say that at that time, I didn't know uh, what I know now. And so I was able to see things that I, I knew that wasn't for me. Um, even though I wanted to continue to help, I had to leave and come back home and do what I needed to do for uh, myself. Um, it was it was draining. It was draining. Uh, minimum wage. It wasn't the same uh, pay rate out here. And so, you know, I went out there and started working two jobs to to help her pay her bills at the time and and you know help her with her children. And I don't regret any of it because I'm glad that I was able to assist. But it just it just burned me out. Gotcha. And so I left New York to go somewhere else to be burnt out. <laughs> so when I came back, you know, I was just like, you know what, it's go time. I got to start this business. I got to get on the road. So I know when we uh, first started and was talking that you had shared with me that um, that uh, you dropped out of school, ran away quite a few times and things like that, and ended up in uh, alternative school. How did that take place or why did that take place for you? What was going on at that time? Being rebellious. Pretty much. Uh, I think it was after the time where I was going to, I used to cut school to go meet my mom um, at her programs in Brooklyn. And so um, a couple of times I went to go meet her and she didn't show up at our meeting place. And, you know, I couldn't tell my dad, I couldn't tell my grandmother because I was cutting school. Uh And so, you know, I just, after a while, after cutting school, going to see her, I just kept doing it. And it became a habit, a consistent thing. 
Um, I started to get into fights. Uh, thing is, though, when, my, when the school used to call my dad, I was always there for the, the Regents test, always passed my test. My attendance was just terrible. <laughs> And they were like, I don't know how she's passing these tests. But she's like, I always show up. I had a friend who used to tell me whenever we had midterms, um, I always showed up for the midterms, always passed. Um, I was, you know, good academically. Just, I I don't know. I just couldn't sit in the class, um, mainly because I was just focused on, I want to see my mom. I want to know how she's doing. I'm building a relationship with her. I was just so excited to do that. And then when it stopped, I was just so pissed off at her. Like, I just didn't get why she didn't want us or want to spend time with us. Mm -hmm. Not really realizing that she mentally, she just couldn't, she didn't have the mental capacity to deal with yeah. it at the time. So earlier you had talked about uh, like having some like PTSD, anxiety with all of the things that was going through your life, that you're just going through in life at that moment. So if you could walk me through like, um, what was like uh, your day to day like? What was like some of the things that was troubling you? And then if you could share with our audience, um, how did you start seeking like your road to like recovery or your road to like overcoming this type of thing that you were dealing with at the moment? Um, when the house caught fire, I had to jump out of the roof window. Mm. And so uh, I couldn't get on elevators. I was like, uh, I would have, you know, my uh, steering seizures on elevators. I couldn't get on heights at the time. And um, so I think when my grandmother was sick and like I said, she could barely speak, uh, she tried to communicate to me that I needed to get over it. I think that's when something clicked in my mind, you know, uh, that I needed to be better than what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I needed to try harder to get through that. Um, and the medication just wasn't, it was for me, to me, it was making me worse. Uh, so I took myself off of the medication. Um, I started to run. I used to run um, in the mornings. Uh, I started doing it just in the mornings. And then I started running three times a day. Uh, as I, it, it was just such a mental help. I put my, my music on and I just run. And um, it helped a lot. Running helped a lot. Um, then I, over time, I, like I said, I went back to work um, and that helped uh, me change. But I think my grandmother was the pivotal, uh, that, that was pivotal for me. I, I knew I had to. When she said that, I was like, you know what? Get yourself together. Uh, that's amazing. I know that like uh, for myself, um, I used to be a runner when I was in the military and things like that. And then when I got out and I was dealing with PTSD, I got on medications and a whole bunch of things. And um, I kind of did the same thing you did in regards to like uh, weaning myself off of mm -hmm. medications and just dealing with things much more naturally and just seeking help in um, the right uh, places in regards to me seeking the uh, journey and the destination where I'm trying to go. So you decided to uh, open up a daycare and this is a big business. So what is it, what are what are some of the challenges that you have faced with starting your business that includes either with like the government or the systems or with parents <laughs> just dealing with um, this type of business? Um, I would say uh, starting out, 
the licensing process was insane. It was insane. It took me three tries, I would say. I started with a family uh, license and then I transitioned to a group family. So family, you can only have six children. So I said, okay, this is good. Six kids, I can do this. Um, the lady who, the, my licensor, she was so nice. She told me, you know, you have a bigger space. Why are you doing a small? I said, you know what, I work. I can't handle, you know, a bunch of children right now. Uh, she was fine. She told me, okay, good. Get, got my license. Um, she helped me transition into the group family after about a year. Um, enrollments were low. I had maybe two kids starting out. I didn't know anything about getting referrals. Like I said, I didn't know anybody who had a daycare. It was so hard for me to find people who, you okay? Sorry, my staff is there. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, that's another thing. I don't ever leave the daycare. Like, these are my babies. And that's something that I'm transitioning to now. Start working on instead of in the business. Yeah. Uh, because I just, one thing I, I, I feel like the parents are, leaving their children in my care. And so I'm responsible for everything that happens. And so it's hard for me to step away. And that's something I've had a problem with in the beginning and in the end. You mind if I pick her up and bring her? Over sure, do what you gotta do. <laughs> no, you don't want to get picked up. You got it? Just pat her back, she'll be okay. It's all right, it's all right. Sorry. Oh, right. Sorry. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. So I don't let them. They're like, they always tell me, you know, let us do our job. We got it. Do what you're doing. And I, I'm always literally an earshot or an eye distance away. Um, but uh, starting out, uh, pretty much just not knowing where to start, who to ask, um, referrals. Um, and so I didn't know anything. Parents, I've done, I've dealt with so many um, where, you know, I, my prices were low. And so the parents were like, oh, well, prices are low. The kids can stay until whenever. I didn't have any policies or um, contracts. And they were just like, oh, we pay this rate, and some of them did have public assistance. Oh, I don't pay, so they can stay whenever. I can pick them up whenever. And so I learned to have policies and procedures in place now. Um, and over time, I've had to change them. Um, I've learned to also give the parents a lot more grace, too. Um, because a lot of the times, it's their first time enrolling their children. They're not aware of the processes and the schedules, and it's hard for them to adjust going to work, especially the single parents. Um, and so I've learned to give a lot more grace through that. Um, but it was hard starting out, uh, getting the, the, the group of parents that I had and the just learning uh, different things about daycare on my own. It was a lot of research, a lot of research. I learned to enjoy it over time because then that's how I ended up getting into grants and all that stuff um, through researching. Um, but it was, it was hard. I was going to ask you, so when you decided to open up the daycare, did you choose to get a building or did you choose to like open it, um, the daycare out of your own house? Um, I did out of the house, mainly because it was brand new. 
Mm-hmm. And um, we didn't buy any furniture to put in it. Um, I spoke to my dad and he was just like, you know what? I'm going to be at work all day. Nobody's going to be here. Everybody's moving out soon. And just rented, you know, I paid rent for the first floor um, and the basement. Mm-hmm. And so he um, was very uh, supportive in that uh, for me uh, doing that. I I've always known people who who had daycare centers and I never spoke to them about, oh, how did you open your center? And being on like Facebook and social media and being in groups like that, they were like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like gatekeepers. They were like, oh, we can't tell her she's going to steal our children. Oh, really? Or, we can't tell her she's going to do what we're doing. And now children are going to go there. Or the parents are going to want this. And I was just like, babies are born every day. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just like, it was it was hard for me to, to build a connection with people. I had to learn a lot of things on my own. Um, having a home daycare, people just looked at it as babysitting um, because of the modality of it. Uh, so, you know, that's when I started doing tours. I learned to say, hey, come come and see what we do because it's actually not babysitting. It's set up like a classroom. And uh, this is the curriculum we use. This is what they'll be doing daily. I started doing um, daily reports where they can actually see the activities three times a week or, or daily. And so it kind of helped them realize, okay, wait a minute. She is actually preparing for the next stages in education. Um, and so it made it easier for me over time uh, learning different ways of telling people, hey, it's a, it's in a home, but it's an educational facility. So uh, I wanted to know, like, how did you go about uh, developing, uh, like, your marketing and to get all of your clients? Was it through word of mouth or was it, like, your social media? Was it through, um, was it through like, ads? How, how did you um, start developing? I still, a, a I still haven't gotten assisted with marketing. <laughs> I still don't know what I'm doing. So I got into SSB, uh, a spectacular school of business. And um, that's how I kind of just got into the marketing. Um, I, I I hired a virtual assistant and she's great at it. She's great at it. Uh, I just tell her what I need. She sends me the drafts. I'm like, it's good to go. So she, she runs pretty much my social media. Um, because I was just giving out flyers mm-hmm. and calling people, you know, like old school way. Hey, I have a daycare, you know, if you're looking for childcare or I would put my, um, there are childcare re- resource and referral websites that mm-hmm. you can put your daycare on. Um, I would do that, but it was very slow at first. So I started to just do, you know, the footwork, put the flyers up in the store, um, hand it to people as I saw them. Um, but this as of lately is when it's my social media has gotten a lot better uh, with marketing and advertising. I've never been good at it. I'm still learning, uh, getting a system uh, on how to do it. Um, but I've also learned to hire for the things that I'm not really good at. So. Absolutely. So, you know, down here in South Florida, I, I noticed that certain like daycares or schools are zoned in certain types of area where they can't be next to like a jail or mm-hmm. prison or like registered offenders and mm-hmm. like liquor stores and stuff like that. Is it like that for all daycares across the world or is it 
across the United States per se, or is it like that if you run a brick and mortar, or how is it you do it from your house? Um, can you talk a little bit about that, just to educate me on that? Well, some uh, out here is I have there's a there's a, a liquor store about a block away from mm -hmm. here. Um, they they do zoning where the children can be you can only get certain because I'm a part of the Department of Education. And right. so the school zone, I'm within that school zone. So that's how that's I get it. my children. As right. far as them caring about the local liquor store out here, it's not really, they don't really care. But I wouldn't, uh, personally, I try to, when I'm introducing myself in the neighborhood uh, to the uh, parents, because some of the parents, they just moved here. Uh, they don't know much about the community. And so they're driving around. They're like, wait a minute, there's a liquor store on the corner or there's a liquor store here. What's going on here? I make sure that I'm uh, telling them about the community and, you know, the history of it. Uh, I know the people in the community. And so when they come, they have a sense of security mm -hmm. um, and they can kind of base their decision on that. Um, on your state website, uh, there should be, well, here, there's a calendar and it'll show you, there's a map and it'll show you everything in your area. And you can kind of decide, okay, for me, like I said, this is my home. So I did it where I wanted to live. But moving, it's 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 kind of a strategy. You have to be kind of strategic. Um, you have to know where your need areas are. Um, and I, I guess place the daycare there if I'm, I'm saying that right. Um, I know they call it desert desert areas uh, for mm -hmm. children and parents who needed the most public assistance. Um, parents who single parents, single uh, moms and dads. Uh, those are the areas they that I've learned as of lately. Um, they tell people to place um, their childcare facilities in. If someone had a kid that had like uh, special needs and things like that, as a daycare provider, do you need to be like specially trained to handle um, kids that have special needs or that doesn't matter? It does. Uh, okay. I would say if you're a child care provider who does not have experience in uh, dealing with children with special needs, then you need to be honest with the parent when they enroll. Um, in my experience working in centers, I've seen where they just take them for the money and they really don't know what to do with them. Um, they hire specialists and the specialists are like, revolving. they keep coming, it's different ones because each specialist really don't know how to deal with them. Um, in my experience, I've had, um, I do trial days. And because I have the experience working with um, children with uh, uh, disabilities, uh, I, I know what I can handle. Um, and I have a team. And so I make sure my team is able to handle um, it as well. Um, and if not, I do have resources that I do send uh, to the parents, uh, school special schools, specialized schools. But I'm very honest. I would say for any daycare provider who does not have experience um, in that field, do not take the child. Um, it's not considered discrimination. Um, you just tell the parent, look, I don't have experience. And I think they would respect you for saying that than to just take their children because you want the money. Right. So speaking of team and staff, like I remember when I, uh, when I was putting my son in daycare, when I lived in Atlanta, um, it was attached to the company that I worked for. So on the first floor, they had a daycare where you could like put your kids while you still work in the building. But I remember um, when I was filling out all the forms, they would uh, kind of like list on the form, like who's going to be like your daycare provider. And then kind of like ensure that they've been um, 
background check and all these things and stuff yep. like that. I wanted you to talk about like you as a business owner, how important it is to have like staff members that clears a background check for you to work in this type of job when dealing with kids. Um, like I said, these are like my, once the parent drops them off, they're my kids. Um, and anytime after the dip, trust me, they text me all night about the kids. What did they eat today? How long did they sleep? Um, so they're like my kids. And so I make sure that they are safe. Uh, OCFS, Office of Child and Family Services, um, does do the background checks. They send us documentation, um, letting us know. They get a state and federal uh, fingerprinting uh, before they're hired here. Uh, they don't step foot in the facility without clearance. Right. Um, and then even after that, like I said, they monitor to have cameras and I'm here. Um, and that's just me, just, I, I, I would hate anything to happen and I'm not here. Um, and you just hear a lot of horror stories and that's always been something that I've always uh, worried about. And so I'm always monitoring, I'm always training, I'm always asking questions, I'm always doing another, another check um, because there's systems that I use for background checks myself. Um, and so, you know, I just make sure that that part is important for any child care provider to just know who you have, um, pay attention to behaviors, um, and always take training if you're not aware. Because I know in the beginning, you just don't know. You're just like, okay, this person used to teach or this person used to babysit their sister. Just because they used to babysit doesn't mean that they have the experience <laughs> to take care and teach children. Um, and so you just um, pay attention to how they are interacting with the children. It's, it's a lot of um, trial and error because I've hired people who just didn't have the patience, um, but they did have experience with working with children, um, maybe one or two at a time. They didn't have experience working with a large group of children. Um, and so then I didn't let them go right away. I made sure they had the training. And then over time, they did gain that experience by working here. And so uh, meeting, meeting your team where they are as well, um, knowing who you are and what you can uh, handle as well, as far as are you able to, to uh, micromanage someone who does not really know the field? Um, are you following safety regulations? Do, are they aware of the safety regulations? Um, and that's the things that, that would help in the beginning when you're hiring um, your team, mm -hmm. uh, the training. And which is what I do. While while I'm waiting for them to get cleared, they're going through that regulation training. They're going through the, so I can make sure that they're knowledgeable about it um, in the future. So these are kids that come into daycare, and I know that kids come in with um, their own personality. Mm -hmm. So how do you manage all these different personalities to like? The good kid, the bad kid, the kid that needs to be disciplined, the kid that needs to be spoken to, the kid that needs you to report to their parents. How do you manage that and deal with that? Um, speaking to the parents, because all the parents know their children. And I'm going to be honest, a lot of the parents are like, no, he's an angel. Uh, they may have a different behavior there than they do here. Um, I speak to the parents. I observe. I'm always observing. Um, I take notes. Um, so I do there. I do video observation, written observation, and verbal observation, um, and then I meet with the parents regularly. Um, I'm talking to them every day. Has anything changed? Do you have any questions? Every day, uh, monthly we have uh, where we do a meeting, 
and I discuss their progress. And I say, hey, you know, so-and-so is not eating as much or so-and-so is not holding a pencil the way we used to. Um, they're crying more. There's something going on at home. And then sometimes they'll be like, you know what? Dad's on vacation. Um, Dad's been on vacation for a couple of weeks and he's been having a hard time sleeping. So now I know, okay, I need to plan. Oh, maybe when he comes in, like Mondays, the children are always cranky on Mondays. They just want to rest. They want to eat and play and then get their rest. So I know that that's something I need to do. Just meeting the children where they are. So you've been doing this for a while now. So what, what type of uh, knowledge would you pass down to someone that's looking to get into the, uh, the child care industry? Um, what advice would you give them? I would say um, it's going to be hard in the beginning. Um, the children don't just come with the license. You have to be um, have a strong mindset, and if it's your passion, you can do it. Um, just make sure that you're not rushing into it because you want the money. Um, it's a lucrative business, don't get me wrong, uh, but if you rush into it for the wrong reasons, you're going to find yourself always feeling defeated. Uh, so take your time, follow the steps, always use your regulation books, booklets, um, reaching out to your license about any questions. Don't be embarrassed about asking questions. Always find the resources that you need before you take action. Um, keep an open communication with your parents. Um, I think that's something that those are things that I've learned over time. Um, resilience it takes a lot of resilience. <laughs> when you say speaking, speaking of uh, having a lot of uh, resilience, um, Throughout your career um, doing this um, type of business, have you ever experienced um, a challenge with a parent or someone where you had to either talk to the parent or turn that turn that parent down uh, for that business? Yes. Um, so uh, a lot of people, I mean, because they're like, you look like a kid if you're taking care of kids. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so they're looking at me like, okay, maybe I can tell her what to do. Um, and so when i i've learned over time to just one don't respond right away <laughs> because in my mind i'm like but <laughs> i learned to just not respond right away and just have a conversation with them um a lot of times talking to them they realize that i'm more knowledgeable about the field than, than they think i am Mm -hmm. um, and that I care for their children more than they think, you know, they think it's babysitting, they can just drop them off. Um, and when it, when the conflict occurs, I just, like I said, I try to handle everything with grace. Um, I always tell them, I always, I have like a few times before it gets to the, the boiling point to where I have to discharge the parent and child. Wow. Um, I, so I, uh, email, I send two emails, I, I set up two meetings. And then if there's still no resolve, I say, hey, you know, um, we've tried these things and it's just not working out. Um, here are some resources um, since, um, I, you know, I apologize for my service not working out, but here are some resources that may be more helpful. Mm -hmm. um, and just, just handle it with grace uh, because I hate for anybody to ever leave on a bad note, but right. what happens is they, I had my first uh, bad review and I had to do that. And the lady, she still left a bad review. And, um, and again, I, I wanted to respond like, what? you know, and I was just going above and beyond for this parent. And I wanted to respond like all oh, the things that I did. 
Uh, instead, I just waited and, you know, I was very apologetic and, you know, stated the facts in my response and just handled it with grace. Speaking of reviews, can you tell me how important it is for uh, Google reviews and testimonials or reviews from any other platforms as well? A lot of parents look at those. Uh, customers look at those. Um, so it's important uh, to get those testimonials so that your audience and your, your customer base or your potential customers know um, how good of a service you provide. I, I say that's a good thing. The bad thing is when you get the bad review and can't delete it. And the, there's always somebody that's like, wait, wait a minute, reading through and they're liking it. Like, oh, okay, yeah, she did do this and that. Um, uh, so that's the side that I don't like about it. But uh, the flip side is it does it does let your 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 potential customers know how well um, your services, how good your service is. So yeah, those reviews are crucial, man. Uh, mm -hmm. Tell people that's people make or break decisions off reviews. And yep. So like I said, you've been doing this for a while now. So have you? thought about or are you currently uh, mentoring or coaching people that's looking to get into the child care space? Yes. Yeah, so I do have a coaching and consultation. Well, I didn't even know it was a business, honestly. Um, I just started to help people, um, you know, that start, we're starting their daycares. I was mm -hmm. a part of a program called Project Bright. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the women that worked there, she just loved everything I was doing. So she started to bring providers that were coming to her program here um, to just see what I was doing. And they were used to just email or call me and ask me, hey, how'd you do this? Or what is your daycare schedule? And how do you get them to follow? How do you get them to transition from one activity to another? And so I just started helping them. And I didn't know that it was coaching. I thought I was just helping because I didn't have the help in the beginning. And so, um, I just continued and then eventually just turned it into a business. I started the Provider Society um, where I just teach how to, I do consultation coaching, how to, st how to start your daycare, how to run your daycare, how to hire your team, um, how to train your team, when you should train your team. Just the basics that I didn't know in the beginning, just being that, that person, that resource that I didn't have when I started out. Nice. That's, that's super impactful. Um, another thing you, I heard you mention earlier in our conversation was grants. So can you speak to us about like types of grants that are out there and funding that are out there for um, anyone that's looking to get into the uh, child care space? Okay. Um, well, the grants, uh, they vary per state. If you're going to do federal grants, I'm actually going to put a list in my link tree for you guys later on too. I have a whole list that I uh, formulated. Um, and just keep in mind that they are not loans and you do not have to pay them back. These are frequently asked questions. <laughs> they don't do credit checks <laughs> or any of that. Um, but um, there's a few out. Uh, there's about 50 of them. I have a whole list. Like I said, I'll put it in my link tree on um, my Instagram at Crystal Kernel for you guys to look at. Uh, but there are ones, and I would say, I would fill out all of them. I would fill out at least four grants a month. <laughs> I got in the habit of doing that during COVID when I had the clothes and I just started researching and I got very resourceful. And once I got one grant, I was able to get another one and I figured out a technique to how to fill out the grant application. It was on after that. Just don't get the technique or just don't have the patience or don't have the time. So that's what I do in my service. I really just provide that assistance for them. 
Oh, that's amazing, man. Um, I love the fact you said become resourceful. I think that's one of the biggest things in business and being an entrepreneur. You have to be resourceful, resourceful. flexible, <laughs> adaptable. <laughs> so many of these um, tricks of the trade that's probably not even in the book. But I, um, I love the fact that uh, you did that. And I'm not sure if you realize this, but like you, you, you've done a lot of stuff on faith and believing in yourself. So I wanted to ask you, um, how strong was your faith and belief system in regards to going on this entrepreneurship journey? Man, um, I think entrepreneurship has made me, I prayed more <laughs> since I started <laughs> I have ever prayed in my whole life. Um, it's, it's, it's heightened my beliefs um, in ways it, it, prayer works. Prayer works, prayer works. wonders. Um, I never, I never, like I said before this, I was just so doubtful uh, at times. Like you know, like I said, with my grandmother passing, um, not having my mom, of you know why, you know why things happen to me, why me, um, and I'm realizing that they weren't happening to me; they were happening for me, to make me stronger, um, and uh, faith. Like I said, it's it's, it's definitely grown <laughs> since starting the business. So you mentioned something, and I w want you to speak towards it. If anyone out there is um, going through limiting beliefs and um, all the self-talk that we can like put into our brain and into our mind and, and start believing that. So if you could empower our listeners about limiting beliefs um whatever you're going through go through it don't sit in it though go through it feel it it's important to do that because i think a lot of people just like i said when i had the fire i just worked to get my mind off of it that didn't help it just suppresses it it's important to go through it um and then get over it you can do it you're capable you can do it and if you still feel like you can't reach out to your closest resource. I feel like um, a lot of people, me, I was prideful. I didn't want to reach out because I'm like, what is somebody going to tell me about me? Um, you never know your blind spots. Um, so just keep going. Don't give up. Always um, put your best foot forward. Try any. My thing, I also felt like I didn't have anybody, like a family or a team. Um, yeah. And recently meeting people who are like-minded, get around people who are like-minded. Find your team, find your people. Um, and it'll change your way of thinking, but you can do it. You can do it. I'm telling you, you can do it. And not everybody's meant to be an entrepreneur. So even if you're, you're, you're working and you want to be a manager, or maybe you want to get a promotion and you've never had that, that, drive to do it or to step up to take the training to do it it's time it's time what are some um some of the biggest misconception about the child care or daycare babysitting they always say we babysit us um like i said i think um I used to get upset when people used to say, oh, this is just babysitting. Oh, this is not uh, 
this is not a scalable business. And um, I think uh, after COVID, I think we started to get a lot more uh, recognition as educational facilities because we were needed more because a lot of the schools were closed. Mm -hmm. um, I think, I know for me, uh, proving to parents that I'm actually invested in your children's future, you know, that I'm preparing them for the next steps uh, was a challenge for me at first until they actually saw the growth and the development of their children. They were like, you know what? So-and-so has started to feed themselves and right. be more independent and and um, say their names and speak more, be more social. Um, and so I think that's one of the challenges with, with um, and the misconceptions uh, that there's really no no educational value in it, that it's just babysitting. Wow. Um, you spoke about something also, and if you hit on this challenge, um, when COVID-19 hit, how did that impact your business uh, as a uh, child care provider? Here I am now just starting this business. Like, yes, I finally got <laughs> a license. I'm, I'm in it. Um, and COVID hits. And I'm like, just got kids. It's, it's just the ball just started rolling. Mm -hmm. And um, I felt like it was like, I almost wanted to just quit and, and just go live on a rock. Just don't tell, I, I secluded myself. I didn't know what to do at first. My mind was like, I have to go back to working for someone. Uh, do I do I get two more jobs? Like, what do I do? Um, and then uh, 3K uh, came about. And my, I was a part of a network, a, a daycare network at the time. And they gave me a lot of resources on uh, how to stay open, if I wanted to stay open. Um, I still had to stay closed for two months. And then I opened and did emergency care. Mm -hmm. And so I started providing care for nurses, uh, children, uh, paramedics, children, cops, children, and, and you know, the enrollment went up. Mm -hmm. uh, but in the beginning, it was hard because I thought I was just, oh, my dang, I'm never going to be able to open again. <laughs> my business is gone. <laughs> what am I going to do? I have to go back to work. Um, I had just moved into another apartment. You know, I had the daycare here, but I, I moved, and I'm like, with well, my bills, how am I going to pay staff? Um, so it was really nerve-wracking at that time. Wow. Thank God for that. So I wanted to ask you this real quick. So you were someone that was working multiple jobs but in the daycare industry, right? Now you're someone that's running a daycare industry. Looking back at it, do you think that it really, really benefited you to actually be in that space to do what you're doing now? Yes. Um, I learned so many things. Uh, I think it's made me, I know it has made my mind stronger. Um, I'm now learning how to talk to people who are in my field now and being more social. I'm really not, I've never been really a social person. And so now I'm helping people. I had, I had to become more social um, uh, instead of waiting for them to reach out to me. Now I have to be the person who's like, hey, do you need help? I can help you with this. Um, I think the pivotal uh, moment uh, for me in my career was, I wanna say two years ago, um, one year ago when uh, my enrollments were really low and I said, I'm going to go back to work because <laughs> <laughs> my, I quit at least, I, I've quit at least five times and said, I'm going to go back to work. 
So since that you're uh, in the space now, I wanted to ask you how impactful has uh, mentorship, accountability partners play a part in your life in regards to the level that you're at now? Um, mentorship has, I've literally never had a mentor before. So um, having the one that we have now, um, it's shown me a lot uh, uh, that I can trust people. Um, and not everybody is against me or giving me uh, bad information. I've gotten a lot of bad information before. Um, and so I will say uh, mentorship has taught me a lot, trust, um, and that a community matters. Um, I think that um, a lot of people just have misconceptions about getting it, information, uh, follow the right people. Then, you, you know, um, uh, I think it's about alignment having people that align with, with uh, your beliefs and your morals and your values. Um, I will say I, I'm, I've i never, I'm, I'm at the, this is the best I felt as an entrepreneur, honestly. Um, the more, most confidence I felt as an Af uh, 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 entrepreneur. Um, it's always going to be hurdles, uh, but um, now I'm more confident to, to face them head on. So, as you're going through business and you're taking care of kids and you're dealing with parents and things like that, and you go through all these different like rules and regulations that may affect your business, as a business owner, how do you stay up to date with making sure that um, you're always uh, within regulations for your business? Always checking my, my local uh, DSS or uh, Department of Social Service website. Um, I'm a part of like a few child care referral uh, resource programs. So I'm always checking those sites. I have the, the email sent to me daily. Um, always, always checking those. Um, I, I research myself. I love researching. I've, I've grown a, a love for it. And so I'm always researching new things and uh, different things as far as, especially with behavior management. Um, I research a lot of things to help parents deal with um, sleeping habits and how they affect uh, children's behaviors and things of that nature. And how do you prioritize uh, business and personal life in regards to developing that balance for yourself? I, I'm, I'm literally just now getting a schedule. Like I schedule my sleep and my personal time. <laughs> it's, it's really important to have personal time. Um, uh, and I, I didn't know that. That's why I was burning out a lot. Um, but I'm now uh, getting in the habit of scheduling personal time where I just say, close the laptop, walk away, and do something else. And so I'm learning to do that. Um, this past month, I've learned to step away on the weekends and just have, you know, some me time. So if you could, could you elaborate on, like, the importance of uh, incorporating, like, mindfulness and self-care into your life? Um, well, the important, will you get a clear head? Uh, it's like... Imagine, I know a lot of entrepreneurs who work just days and days in and day out. Imagine just stopping and getting a few hours of sleep. When you wake up, how do you feel? Refreshed. Right, it's refreshing. Right. You get you get a fresh mind. It's easier to think. Um, for me, that's how it is. Uh, once I get a, a day of rest, um, even if it's to go get my nails done or or just to lay in the bed, um, I feel refreshed. I'm able to think better. So it's important to take that time, that self-care time. I've, I've also, I've been even like, especially in this field, you're dealing with, you're wearing so many hats mentally. Uh, it, it's important to just give your brain a break. Um, I even have them for my team. I give mental health days uh, so that they could just have a break. A lot of them have children too. 
um, that they have to go home to and they just don't have the time because they're here uh, dealing with, um, you know, working here. I just give them mental health days some days. Um, it's important to just give your brain a break. Absolutely. So when it's all said and done for you, your business and your family, what do you think is your ultimate purpose in um, this life that we're living? And what is the legacy that you want to leave behind? Well, I hope that my niece and nephews know that they're capable of doing anything. Um, resilience is the key. Um, I, I know they're they're gonna go through their own. They're teenagers now. They don't listen to anybody. Um, but I, I just want them to know that they can start the business too. Um, it's not always just about working for someone. Um, and I really just want my dad to retire. That's been the goal. I want to retire my dad. I want to see him get that that penthouse he wants. Um, and I want to see a lot of uh, business owners, especially in this field, thrive. Um, because it's hard um, without assistance. And so if I can be that resource to help them get reach their goals, for me, um, that would mean a lot. I don't really care about, you know, money matters, but it doesn't matter that much to me. I think the value of the service and what I do um, and seeing people happy and their business grow and their team happy, um, seeing them manage their team in a way where it works for their business uh, makes me feel really good. Nice. So we've been talking here about uh, your upbringing in New York, your trip to Virginia and back, <laughs> and you had a, uh, a massive transformation and you created a successful business as an entrepreneur, um, had some bumps in the road, learned a lot, but uh, continued to keep pushing even whenever uh, any obstacle or any adversity came your way. In total, if you could share with our listeners some of the life lessons, business lessons, and key takeaways that you'd like to impart on them. Faith. Pray a lot. Prayer works. I know everybody say, oh, it's the, the universe, manifestation. Pray. <laughs> pray. That's the through everything. Just pray. I, I think that's the 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 only takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> Pray. The prayer works. Prayer works. Prayer Absolutely. works. So if anybody wanted to uh, work with you, get in contact with you or reach out to you, how can anyone uh, reach out to you? Um, uh, one, the provider society at gmail.com for any questions you may have about services. Um, I'm also on Instagram at Crystal Kernel. Um, I do not use Facebook or TikTok as much, so I'm not going to put those out there. But um, Instagram at Crystal Kernel, you can always DM and ask any questions. Always answer any questions anybody may have about business. I'm not, you know, that person where I charge you just for one question. Um, uh, like I said, in one, the provider society at gmail.com. Nice, absolutely. Hey, uh, Crystal, thank you so much for joining me today and being on the show. Thank you for being transparent, being vulnerable. And also sharing your knowledge and wisdom to our listeners. I know that they're going to have some key takeaways from this um, from this podcast, from this interview. So I just want to say thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I was nervous, but we got through it. No, we got <laughs> through it, man. You, you did great. You did great. Thank you so thank much you. for being on here with me. Guys, I'm Michael Allison. This is my friend, uh, Krista Cornell. Until next time, we love you. Peace.
Can't complain at all Couple dollars in my pocket, no income and go Been working on my body, getting healthier Thank God for clarity